This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Welcome to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Hi, I'm Jamie Buston. I'm a former commercial litigator who used to weigh 242 pounds. When I was 38 years old, I lost over 50 pounds through a regimen of exercise and better nutrition. It took me a year to reach my goal, but I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody can. I'm still asking questions and learning about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. Please join me on this continuing journey. We'll learn how to tell if you're deficient of key nutrients with Dr. Krista McKay, N.D., We'll find out the common mistakes people make when they're trying to get fit with Dr. Aaron Boynton. We'll discuss digesting your stress with Tracy Sograti. And lastly, we'll discover fall soup recipes with Shauna Lindzen. Before we get to that, here's your tonic quick shot of healthy headlines. Have you ever seen a picture of someone who looks just like you and wondered how that could be? Researchers at a Barcelona have determined that strong facial similarity is, in fact, associated with shared genetic variants. So you not only look like your doppelganger, you share genotypes. Dogs and humans clearly have a special bond. But do dogs, like humans, produce more tears at times when they're flooded with emotion? A new study reported in Current Biology says that indeed, the eyes of our canine companions do well up with tears. In fact, it happens regularly when they're reunited with you. Are you concerned about all the fake news on social media? Here's some good news from Cambridge University. Briefly exposing social media users to the tricks behind misinformation boosts awareness of harmful online falsehoods, even amid intense noise of the world's second most visited website, YouTube. Google, YouTube's owner, is set to deploy an anti-disinformation campaign based on those findings. That was your tonic quick shot. I'll be joined by Dr. Krista McKay, ND in a moment. But first, a little bit of business. Lack of magnesium can lead to serious health issues. Sadly, one in three Canadians aren't getting enough. Common signs include trouble sleeping, low concentration, irritability, headaches, muscle cramps, or spasms. Could you be lacking? Choose from New Roots Herbal's Ultra Gentle Magnesium Bisglycinate, Heart Mag for added cardiac support, or Clarity Mag, a no-brainer for anyone over 50, exclusively at health food stores. To find a store near you, visit newrootsherbal.com. Krista McKay graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto in 2009. Prior to that, she completed studies in clinic exercise physiology at Concordia University in Montreal, using exercise as a holistic therapy for people with various diseases and disabilities. She's a busy mom, balancing practice both in Montreal and Montevideo, Uruguay, and currently works for an employee assistance program doing phone consultations. Welcome back to the show, Krista. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Today, we're doing something a little bit interesting, and it's kind of like, how do you know if you're not getting enough of blank? And then we're going to fill in the blanks. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. Perfect. So why do you think we're lacking in vitamins? Is it really that we're eating that badly or is something else going on? Well, the obvious beige diet is definitely not helpful, like the pastries and cakes, cookies, pastas. But I think a lot of people 
already know that and they're already eating like a, a variety of rainbow. You know, I always say eat the rainbow, five colors of fruits and vegetables in a day. It's hard to do that. But people who are really focusing on that, I think the problem is our food chain is a, is a big part of it. The food system's pretty depleted of nutrients. Uh, if you think about where things grow nowadays, there's huge industrial farms where they plant the same thing over and over again. It's not the rotation of crops. So the soil is pretty depleted of nutrients and things are transported across the globe. They're picked before they're ripe. So the fruit and vegetable doesn't even have a chance on the, you know, on the plant to absorb as much as they can absorb. And then they're maybe frozen or put in big refrigerated trucks and shipped. So I think that's a big part of the fact that the food that we're eating isn't full of all of these, you know, minerals and vitamins, unfortunately. Okay. But I mean, aren't these farms sort of, you know, buying fertilizers and nutrients for the soil? I mean, like if it's truly depleted, would you be able to grow these fruits and vegetables at all? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think I know very much about the agricultural practices. I I think that there's also pesticides um, as well that are, you know, detrimental to the food system and depleting the nutrients. Adding back doesn't seem like the best way to to go about it, but it's probably adding more than there would be without doing it. Right. So I gather what you're saying is, you know, if you're eating organically or if you're growing your own fruits and vegetables, those probably have sufficient nutrients. Is that sort of your take on it? Yeah. I mean, people are eating local, uh, local things that are, you know, picked recently that morning and then you're, you're buying it at a farmer's market or you're planting it in your own garden. For sure, you're going to get a lot more nutrient value out of those than a lot of the stuff at the grocery store. Okay. What are some of the most important vitamins and minerals that we could be lacking because of this, you know, depletion and and other issues? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's probably a lot more, but to just focus on a few of the top culprits, Vitamin D is, you know, a big one. It's, we get some from our food, but it's mostly the sunshine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's top of the list for the most of the population is deficient in. The omegas are a big one, so omega-3 specifically. And two minerals, calcium and magnesium, are super important for our health, and we're seeing a lot of depletion in the diet. And even if you just look at fiber, like basic fiber, I think a lot of people are missing in their diet. Are you talking about soluble or insoluble or both when you're talking about fiber? Both. Okay. Both fibers, yeah. All right, well, you mentioned vitamin D off the top, so why don't we start there? How bad is it, and why are we not getting enough? Well, Statistics Canada says that a third of Canadians are deficient in vitamin D, which means that two-thirds are above the cutoff, which is great, but the cutoff is 50, so in Stats Canada, it's 50 nanomoles per liter of the 25-hydroxyvitamin D, whole mouthful of a blood test of vitamin D, but basically, the ideal to prevent bone fractures is closer to above 75, I would say. And if you want optimal levels, depending on how old you are, naturopathic doctors are aiming for above 100, even up to 120, 30, 150. So 50 is a pretty low cutoff. So I'd say it's a lot more than a third of Canadians that are deficient in vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And of course, it drops in the winter months. So vitamin D is super important, as we know, for like immune health, for autoimmune diseases. It's really, really important to absorb the calcium for bone health. So 50 plus, you know, the population above 50 definitely wants to supplement with it. And I'd even recommend earlier on, because for our bone density, it usually peaks in the 20s and then it's downhill from there. Right. You definitely want to start supplementing with vitamin D uh, in your younger years for the bone density reasons. And it's a very, you know, relatively inexpensive vitamin to supplement with. It's not going to break the bank to to have vitamin D. No, not at all. It's super easy. I like the drops personally. 
you can just take a little drop on your finger, lick it off. You can put it in any like drink that you're taking. It's good to take food. It's a fat-soluble vitamin. It has no taste. It's a tiny little drop. Um, and there's little tablets as well that's super easy to carry around. An obvious addition to supplement with. Okay. You also mentioned omega-3s. So what are they and how are we not getting enough of this? Yeah. So omega-3s, there's a lot of different omegas. Just to yeah. point out, there's yeah. sixes, nines, and threes. A lot of people like the whole gamut to supplement with, but I'd say you only really need to supplement with omega-3s. You're getting omega-6s from all the nuts and seeds and vegetable oils, and olive oil is a good provider of um, omega-9. Mm-hmm. So omega-3s is what we're lacking. I think typically the ratio we want to aim for is a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, and we're eating probably 15 times that of omega-6s. Mm. So omega-3s uh, you're going to get from fatty fish typically. So we're talking like salmon, sardines, mackerel, herring, trout. That's a great source of omega-3s. The two kinds of omega-3s are EPA and DHA. EPA is really good for blood circulation, so heart health. Think heart health. Really good at lowering triglyceride levels. Really good at balancing cholesterol. So the omega-3s actually keep your good cholesterol up, which is one of the most important markers for cardiovascular disease risk. And it lowers the bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Great at helping like heart rhythms. So really good for circulation, keeping the blood circulating smoothly. It's not clotting and sticky. Omega-3s are also good for the brain in every cell. We need we have omega-3s to help like the communication between the cells. So it's something that we're not necessarily eating a ton of fish. The sources, you know, you, you can't count the frozen battered fish because that's right. not a very good source of omega-3s, right. unfortunately. And fish, when you get fish, unfortunately today, is pretty contaminated. Like there's a lot of heavy metals in the water or plastics. Sadly. So when you buy the good quality fish, it costs a lot of money. So um, It does. Like I, we have fish, we have trout or salmon. It's hard to get sardines, fresh sardines in Toronto. Yeah. But we have that and anchovies we get. We have those Super. probably once a week. Would that be enough or would I, should we still be supplementing if you're having like a portion of that once a week? No, I'd say, I mean, you probably want it on a daily basis. I don't know how that, you know, it's not that feasible to get. No. That amount, you can get some from, you know, nuts and seeds. The conversion is not as efficient. So, like, adding hemp seeds in is a lot easier than eating sardines every day and flaxseed oil and stuff like that. No, I'd say most of the population, like if 40% or so are, are low, we a lot of us need to be taking a supplement. And they're, they're pretty easy. I personally prefer the oil. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking a teaspoon of fish oil, they're usually flavored. You don't get that, like, old, like, you know, back in the day when... Grandma would give cod liver oil. It's not that bad at all. It's usually lemon flavored. And for people who don't like taking a little spoonful of oil, you can take uh, gel caps. Yeah. So I w- you know, avoid the taste. We tend to go for the gel caps in our house. So yeah. last month I had a guest on the show who took us on a little excursion to discuss magnesium pretty extensively. So why don't we just touch upon it today? Just sort of like an overview. What do you think? Yeah, sure. So Health Canada probably says that half of us are low or not getting enough magnesium. 34-ish are actually deficient in magnesium. Magnesium's a really important mineral because it's not for one specific thing. It's a cofactor for reactions to take place. So we use it in tons of reactions, in tons of tissues in the body. And it's scary when it's deficient for a long time because it causes a lot of problems like weak bones, headaches, migraines. You can have nervousness or anxiety from a lack of magnesium up to problems with the heart muscle contraction. 
Um, so there's lots of things that are affected by magnesium deficiency. Mm-hmm. I exercise quite regularly, and I was told that magnesium uh, is helpful for sort of the relaxation of the muscles after and to help them build up after as well. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I do any like exercise, soccer practice or yoga or something, I uh, take magnesium after at night. It helps with sleep. It's very calming, relaxing, but really good for the muscles. Um, Anyone, a typical sign is the muscle cramping post-workout or just cramps in general or that eye twitching. Some people get like a kind of twitching of the eye muscle or restless legs at night, usually caused by a magnesium deficiency. And it can resolve really quickly by adding a supplement. Right. And magnesium supplementation is not expensive either. It's, It's pretty good. Yeah, no, pretty, pretty good. And this is one that is lost a lot because of the farming practices, like the food is pretty depleted. So I'd recommend a supplement to a lot of people mm-hmm. to go through them. Magnesium is a mineral, so we need to bind it to something. It's called chelation when you stick something to a mineral to help us absorb it because it's hard for us to absorb minerals. Right. Tons of different kinds out on the market. I'm going to kind of narrow in on four. The bisglycinate or magnesium glycinate, bisglycinate is really well absorbed very gentle, and you can use it for anything because it's well-absorbed. You can use it for sleep support. You can use it for anxiety, for those muscle cramps. It's a fantastic quality magnesium. Another is magnesium citrate. This one's pretty cheap. It's not as well-absorbed as the bisglycinate, but it's pretty well-absorbed. But what I use it for often is constipation. So because it's not that well-absorbed, it hangs out in the intestinal tube and water stays there too. So it softens our stool and it doesn't create dependency like a a typical laxative would. So it's really fantastic to help keep the bowels moving well. Mm -hmm. Another two are kind of new, uh, have come out in the market in the last maybe five or ten years. One is called magnesium orotate. It's actually, it's it's erotic acid, not erotic, but (laughs) think the heart. Erotic acid bound to magnesium for us to be able to intake it. And um, really good for preventing cardiovascular issues. And what the research is looking at that's really cool is after you've had a heart attack or after you've had ischemic attack, so a blockage or lack of blood flow and nutrients, oxygen going to the heart muscle, the magnesium orate can actually reduce the calcification and the damage to the, the heart muscle, hmm. which is quite amazing. Yeah. And then the last magnesium to mention is magnesium L3-anate. Uh, this one's for the brain. And so what this one can do, the 3 and 8 can actually cross the blood-brain barrier, so bring the magnesium into the brain where we use it for tons of things. And it's helpful for many brain disorders from depression all the way to, like, age-related memory loss. So two, uh, those two are coming out. You're seeing them more often. Excellent. All right, so you mentioned uh, about mineral depletion, and of course, you know, as we get older, I think about calcium mineral depletion. Um, do you want to discuss that for a bit? Sure, yeah. I mean, the 50-plus is where you're seeing a lot of calcium deficiency or or problems with it. So bone density depletion, I think in that age category above 50, it's, you know, 55 to 85 are low in calcium. So it's definitely a time to supplement. D3, like the vitamin D, you definitely need to be supplemented at the same time to help absorb the calcium. Yeah, and it's a mineral too, so you need to bind it with something. You need to get a good quality type of calcium. So I often, I think there's a lot of fear around calcium supplementation. Previously, when there was a lot of osteoporosis and people said, okay, we got to up our calcium intake, 
they would supplement with calcium carbonate, and that's like a, the elemental calcium. It's like a rock, like think chalk, white chalk. Yeah. Um, and so you need to bind it with something. So there's a typical one is calcium citrate that's you know kind of like the magnesium citrate. It, it's pretty well absorbed, but you definitely want to put in the vitamin D3, lots of other minerals for the bones, not just the calcium. So I like mixtures with magnesium, boron, zinc, strontium, manganese. And one of my favorite types of calcium is actually like a protein bound. It's called microcrystalline hydroxyapatite. So it's MCHA, the acronym. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll see that in mixtures with all the minerals, vitamin D3, and then vitamin K2 to help bring the calcium into the bones. So it's a tough one for us to absorb. And as you mentioned before, the stomach acid is lower as we age, so we're not absorbing things as well. Okay, so we have time for one last question, and that is, we've talked a lot about supplements today, but is there a particular brand that you you would recommend uh, if people are looking to get these supplements? Um, Not necessarily a particular brand, but there's different qualities, like how I was talking about what you stick to a mineral to help the absorption of it. So if you go to a health food store, a lot of the staff are trained in the products and you know, the usefulness, the absorption of them. Uh, Toronto is a hub for naturopathic medicine, too. It's the school, is, the Canadian school is there. And so a lot of students working in health food stores in the area are trained to kind of help guide you through the crazy world, like the shelves of all the supplement products. Right. But if you're looking for, like, top quality, you want an ISO-accredited lab, uh, look for an NPN number. Um, and there's a lot of professional brands that make really great quality products and uh, highly absorbed. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn about the mistakes people make when trying to get fit on The Tonic. Join the Big Carrot for their Courtyard Market on Sunday, September 11th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can shop local vendors and enjoy an organic lunch special on the green roof. Samples, book sales, live music, kids face painting, and big deals. It's fun for the whole family. Admission is free. Stop by at 348 Danforth Avenue. The Big Carrot, your one-stop shop for everything health and wellness. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Dr. Aaron Boyden, or Dr. B, is an orthopedic surgeon with a unique approach to musculoskeletal pain, blending the art and science of medicine. As the first female orthopedic surgeon to work in MLB and NHL, she's had an extensive experience in dealing with overuse or wear and tear injuries. Welcome back to the show, doctor. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. Thanks for having me back. Always fun to have you on the show. So today we're going to talk about stuff that's near and dear to me, and that is getting fit and staying fit because it's an important part of what we talk about on the show. But you see what happens when people don't do it right. So <laughs> so a little bit of preventative medicine today, right? Absolutely. So what are the most common mistakes that people make when they want to get fit that you see? 
I think the number one problem that I see is people go with both guns a-blazing into their workout program. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they haven't been doing something for a few years. Right. And, uh, you know, they decide, okay, New Year's resolution or, you know, they've seen the doctor and the doctor's saying, look, you need to get more active. And they get into the gym and they just go from zero to 100. They're trying to run a marathon before they can walk a mile. So overdoing it. Yeah, and I, I think you reach a certain age and you kind of forget... You know, the, the things you could do in your 20s and 30s, not that I could do a whole lot in my 20s <laughs> and 30s, but, but you know, like it isn't happening when you're in your 50s. And, you know, it's almost like weekend warrior syndrome is what you're talking about. They're trying to cram in like activity into perhaps years of inactivity and they're not ready for it. Absolutely. And this brings up a really important point. I'm a very athletic person. Right. But then I'll sit around my office all day. Right. Yeah. And really, it isn't so much about being active and, and there, there's fitness. Right. But then there's general health. Yes. And when we're talking about general health, the most important thing is to actually just move. And that may mean standing up. Once right. every 20 minutes. And actually, a study has been done that if you stand up once every 20 minutes, it's the health equivalent of jogging for 30 minutes. One of the worst things that we do to ourselves is sit in a chair. Like, literally, from a musculoskeletal... I'm telling you, you're the orthopedic <laughs> surgeon, you know. But, you know, to sit at a desk is one of the worst things that you can do. And, yeah, there's tons of studies out there that the biggest changes occur from when you start moving as opposed to, like, moving and then going to, like vigorous movement. Exactly. So I encourage people to start slow and steady. If yep. you're going to start a new workout program, yep. dial it down, make sure that you're doing the basics and doing them well, that you've got a foundation for movement. So, and what I mean by that is that you've got good alignment of your joints. So you've got good posture. You're using the right muscles. As Sitting we, both, up. we both sit up straight now. Yeah. <laughs> core, um, core strength, right? Core strength. Absolutely. That you've got those stabilizing muscles, good and strong, and that yep. you've got generally good mobility. And if, you, if you're lacking one of those things, then your workout program actually needs to give you exercises to address that. So improve your alignment with a postural exercise. Yep. Improve your core strength. And start with that because if you try to build strength or power and speed and yet you don't have basic core strength or the proper alignment, yep. you're asking for your body to break down. Also sort of the aerobic ability to go through the activities, right? Because when you get tired, that's when the injuries occur, right? So if you are panting and wheezing and your form starts to slip because you're just fatigued, you can injure yourself that way too, can't you? Absolutely. And you've brought up two good points in that comment. One is uh, aerobic activity is really good because it just helps to build your vascular system. So you're getting yep. more blood flow to the muscles, to the tissues that you're trying to actually build. So that's a good thing. Aerobic activity is really good. And so the second point that you made, which I really like, is keeping good form. Yep. If you're doing exercises and you're not keeping good form, then you're going to create an injury. We've all seen the guy in the gym who's got 500 pounds and he's doing his biceps and he's not even bending and, and flexing his elbows. He's actually bending and flexing at the waist. Right. So he's not achieving his goal of getting a strong bicep right. and he's hurting his back. Right. So no. good form is important. Yeah. I mean, for those exercises that are isolating certain muscle groups, you actually want to use those muscles, right? Absolutely. And, and not worry about whether you're lifting as much as you think you should be. What's the indicia of over overuse of injuries that you see or people that have gone too far too fast, perhaps? So the first thing, they, they're not recovering. They're, they're tired. Yep. They're getting a lot of muscle pains. They're losing mobility. They're not having fun anymore. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's become a chore. And I really want to emphasize for everybody, keep movement fun. Life is motion. 
And we really need to pick activities that we enjoy doing and maybe try and avoid being in that rat race of, okay, I'm going to do this workout every single day. Have variety. Run one day, ride a bike one day, go for a walk, uh, do some yoga one day. You know, like give it a little bit of change and variety so you keep it fresh. You know, you're speaking directly to me on this. I have a very regimented workout schedule, which I think you and I have sort of discussed over time. And there's my Sunday workouts. It is particularly grueling. It's a horrific one. And lately I've been dreading doing it. And I was doing it because I felt, you know, as I age, there's going to come a point where I can't do it. And psychologically, I felt I wasn't there yet. I should still be able to do this exercise because in many ways I'm very fit, but it was becoming more and more challenging and I was getting distraught over it. And then a few weeks ago, I decided I would change it up a bit and I didn't dread doing the Sunday exercise. It's just as vigorous. Uh-huh. It's just, it's just different. And, yes. and, and to your point, I think, you know, changing it up is actually more important than just, it's not just about the variety. It's about being able to keep the focus necessary in order to do this exercise properly and not really punish yourself. Because that's the way it was feeling to me. I was punishing myself, you know? And that is really an important point. It is not punishment. You're actually trying to give to your body. Right. You have to stress your body in order to strengthen it. But you can stress it in many different ways. You can change up your workout so that you do your exercises really slowly. You can speed it up and decrease the weight, speed it up. You can just change the angle of the joint in the exercise that you're doing to stress the muscles slightly differently. And the body loves variety. The body gets used to doing something and it adapts quickly. And actually what you're trying to do with exercise is to keep the body on its toes, so to speak. So the variety stresses it differently and, you know, so after four or six weeks, you really should be changing up your program. Oh, th- this was long overdue, Aaron. I mean, I was doing the same <laughs> Sunday exercise probably for two years. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so and, and, you know, it was, it was more like, you know how people ask you, like, oh, so what do you do, right? And I always get that question, right? Because yep. I'm in health and wellness, right? So yep. I tell them this, uh, mostly for shock and awe. I just want to be able to say, <laughs> okay, this is what I do, but it's my worst one. And people are like, oh, that's really horrible. And it is really horrible. I'm not even yep. going to say what it is. How do you know if you're doing an exercise correctly? You know, I have a mirror that I work out in front of, so I can yep. Watch my form. But what do you recommend? Well, I do recommend using a mirror. Uh, If you don't have a mirror, get a friend to watch you. And if you don't have a friend, (laughs) hire a trainer, hire somebody who's an expert because perfect practice makes perfect. Yep. Okay. So my belief, and it's grown over the years, is is the warm up and the cool down become more important as we get older, particularly if we're still doing vigorous stuff. Like if you're doing weight training or, you know, significant movement exercise like rowing or running, it's those two elements are almost more crucial than the workout itself. Would you agree? 100%. And it's interesting when I've worked with a lot of the pro athletes and the pro teams, the trainers there actually probably spend more time in the warm up and the cool down than they actually do on the exercise program itself. You need to make sure that the body is warmed up. So I recommend a dynamic warm up where you're going for a little walk or getting on the bike, um, getting your heart rate up, a little bit of a sweat. And then you want to activate your muscles so that they're primed and ready to go. You don't want them asleep. And then all of a sudden you're throwing a huge weight on your body and they can't respond. Yeah. So I was told that for warmups, what you want to do is uh, you're almost mimicking the activity that you're going to do. So, you know, if you are going to be doing the bike, well, then you do leg motions, not obviously with high tension because you're going to be coming into that, but it allows your body to understand what's going to happen next. Exactly. And then with the cool down, that's actually the time to do the serious stretching because that's when your your muscles uh, are either uh, taut with the overuse or they're warm enough to actually be pliant so that you can stretch them further. Is that correct? 
That's definitely the the recommendation that I would make. And I like uh, foam rolling quite a bit. I do use static stretching. You have to be careful that you're stretching the right part of your body when you're doing a static stretch. Um, So if you're feeling pain, there's the good pain, which is generally more muscular. It shouldn't be sharp. It should be kind of releasing, you know, a feeling. You have to be connected to your body doing that. But definitely trying to rebalance your body and to make sure that those muscles that have become very fatigued aren't shutting down is important in your cool down. You know, for me, the cool down is literal because I get very overheated and I sweat a great deal. Sorry, TMI. (laughs) But also I find it's almost meditative. I do sort of like a yogic stretch program for about 10, 15 minutes after, you know, pigeon poses and, and, you know, bridges and things like that to stretch out my back because, you know, we don't really exercise our back enough. Mm -hmm. But I just want to make sure that that I'm stretching out the core because I'm using the core so much. And that's what I use it for is to literally cool down and sort of calm myself after a vigorous workout. And I would recommend that to anybody. I, I think that's fantastic. And and the other thing, if you don't have a, an exact routine like that, going for a short walk, yeah. that's sort of an active cool down where you're letting the metabolites kind of clear out of your muscles, clear out of your system. You're still getting oxygen there, but you're not overloading. Uh, it can be very beneficial. Okay. So you touched upon it a moment ago. I've always operated under the school. Like if you're exercising and there is a sharp, unique pain, you need to stop immediately. You cannot work through it. Mm-hmm. It's not a good idea to continue. You're just begging for further injury. And I learned the hard way with that with my Achilles. Mm. But that muscle fatigue pain is not the same thing. And that's, you use a different approach with that. Is that correct? Is that how you sort of distinguish between the pains? I definitely use that. And I I kind of, if we look back at what is pain to begin with, yeah. for me, the pain is the body's voice. Right. And so it's telling you that, say, the muscle is out of oxygen, it's out of its glucose and metabolites. And the, and the lactic acid is the building up. The lactic acid is building up. So you start to feel discomfort and pain. That's the body telling you, okay, it's time to stop. I need a rest. Yeah. Or if you move your body into a position where you've got too much tension on tissues, yeah. you'll start to feel a stretching pain, which can go from sort of a dull pain to a very sharp pain if you're extending the limit and actually starting to tear tissue. Right. And then there's pain that's associated with pathology, either inflammation or there's a, a, in the case of exercise, a tear of the tissue. Right. And uh, definitely sharp pains are a no-no. Yep. And I also look at sort of the gradation of the pain. So if we use a pain scale with zero is no pain and 10 is the worst pain you can imagine. Yeah. I don't really like people moving and exercising if they've got pain that's more than a three or a four. I was going to say a four is my limit. You know, I would be stopping. You know, you, if you have a muscle pain you know, discomfort, and it's loosening up and it's settling down as you're going through your exercises, then that's okay. But if it's escalating, you need to stop. Great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Always love being here, Jamie. For more information about Dr. Boynton, please visit draironb.com. For great health and wellness interviews and articles, please visit thetonic.ca. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Your family's health and wellness needs should come first. These days, taking care of a loved one should be as easy as ordering goods and groceries to your door on your smartphone. You need MedWorks, an at-home service that pulls it all together. We make health care and wellness services easy to navigate. MedWorks, at home your way every day. Download the app today. MedWorks. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. 
Tracy Sograti has an eclectic background in molecular biology, psychology, and nursing. She practices psychotherapy and yoga therapy and has over 20 years of experience in leading classes, workshops, and events. She believes that the tools of mindfulness pave the way for a deeply meaningful life at any stage. And you can find her at sogratiyoga.com, Yoga on Facebook, or at Tracy Sograti on Instagram. Uh, how are you, my friend? It's been a while. I'm awesome. I'm so happy to be back, back in the swing of things. There you go. We're happy to have you back. Right? And we're, yeah. we're talking about digestion today, but not the digestion <laughs> that involves like food, which is my favorite topic. I but, thought that's why I called it this. I know. Yeah. I know. You're always playing to your audience of one here. We're going to talk about digesting your stress, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So and, what, what does that mean? Like, well, what, what are you talking about? Literally, I use that word, like this idea of digesting your stress, because think of what happens when you eat a big, high-fat meal, or even if, you eat, you know, if you're eating something healthy and you eat too much. Yeah. It sits in your stomach, you get like acid reflux, you feel like crap, you feel really, really bad. And it's the same thing with stress, right? Mm -hmm. When we don't have a way to metabolize it, to digest it, then there are all kinds of effects on the rest of our body. And so I want all of you listening to know that there is actually a very practical way through which you can digest all of your stress hormones because if you don't, they keep operating inside of you and that means they're going to affect the way that you think, the way that you feel, and of course, the way that you behave, which will impact all of your relationships. Right, Jamie? Yeah, well, you know, this show is, yeah, this show is all about the fundamental interconnectedness of those things and yes, of course course. Again, you've picked a topic that hits the nail on the head for this certain <laughs> person. You. So let's talk about how we, what we would know whether or not we have stress through cognition, through emotion, through physicality and behavior. So what does it look yeah. like? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually want to answer this question very carefully because yeah. a lot of people, they become so acclimatized to their level of stress that it seems normal. Right? They don't know that they're actually stressed. So, cognitive Or they feel like they don't have a choice, right? Like, you know, like you yeah, have a stressful job or a stressful family situation. You can mitigate it, but you're living it, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to, the way to digest your stress will actually loop into how to manage those things, too. Okay. Okay, so cognitive symptoms. And here, people were just talking about the way that you think, okay? Yep. So, you might uh, notice things like memory problems, you're forgetting things all the time, or difficulty concentrating. So, you sit down to do work and it's like every two seconds you're getting distracted. You might find that you have poor judgment, so it's really difficult to make decisions that are supportive of your, say, your well-being. There tends to be a negative bias, like even more so than, than normal, <laughs> uh, anxious or racing thoughts, so lots of thoughts all the time, yep. and, and really excessive worrying. Yeah. Right, so future oriented. Yes, this is all familiar, right? Oh, you could say that. Yeah, yeah, and then the emotional, and and so like thoughts and emotions are always sort of linked, right? It's like chicken or egg, and with the emotions, we've got sort of uh, you can get a depressed mood, so you can feel like low energy, like you don't want to do anything, but you could also get really agitated, moody, irritable, or just have a very short fuse, maybe even a shorter fuse than you normally would. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having a shorter fuse than I have. But anyway. <laughs> Yours is pretty short. Pretty short. Yours yep. is pretty short. Yep. Um, I say that with love, Jamie. I know. 
you could feel constantly overwhelmed. You know, a lot of people who are stressed when they come to see me, it's like, Tracy, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm like, yes, this is stress, you know? And then feelings of loneliness, like as if you're the only one sort of experiencing what you're experiencing. Hmm. And then that, of course, will cascade into the physical symptoms. Of and you know, and as you get older, of course, you know, it amplifies into things like, you know, chronic aches and pains, just not feeling good in your body. Digestion-wise, it could look like diarrhea or constipation, depending on what your tendency is. It could look like nausea, dizziness, a fast heart rate. So you might notice that you're getting like, you know, your heart is racing. Um, it can look like not wanting to have sex at all. And also getting sick a lot, right? Just catching everything that comes your way, which is really hard, you know, during the time of COVID, post-COVID. And then finally, uh, in terms of behavior, it can look like over or under eating. And if you're listening, you, you'll sort of know what your tendency is. Mm-hmm. Oversleeping, which kind of relates to depress- depression or undersleeping, and that's more related to anxiety. Mm-hmm look like isolating yourself or avoiding people, procrastinating, so neglecting your responsibilities, self-medicating, so here we're talking about alcohol and drugs, and then just nervous habits. And, you know, when I'm meeting with a person, I'm always tracking nervous habits, things like uh, leg shaking, nail biting, leg jiggling, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. As you say that, I'm biting my nails, but go on. It's funny, like I'm, I'm, I've got a little mental checklist going, and mm-hmm. uh, let's just say there were a lot of check marks there. Yeah. No, interestingly, not so much on the physical side, but definitely on the cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a heavy thinker. That doesn't surprise me. And so when we tend to be, um, when we tend to process with our minds a lot, right, you'll see all of those symptoms sort of playing out. Okay, now you've set the table, right? You've, you've given yeah. us a smorgasbord of, of ticks and, and, and abnormalities and yeah. maladies. What the hell do we do with it? Yeah, them? exactly. Help us, yeah, Tracy. I know, I know. Okay, so first is awareness. So I've gone through the list. You've heard it. No. You know, all of the listeners, you've heard it. You want to become aware of what you're experiencing the most. And then know that... There are two pieces to the puzzle. So first, you have to understand, okay, if I'm experiencing this stress, what is the source of the stress? And are there limits that are within my control that I can place on, you know, whatever pressures or competing interests there are on my time? Okay. Mm-hmm. So like you mentioned earlier, Jamie, we don't always have control over our life situation. Like if you've got, you know, someone who you love who is sick or, you know, we were talking about your beautiful daughter and, you know, learning law, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got, you've got pressures that you, you really have no control over. Exactly. So you've got to manage it. So first you look and say, okay, well, what are the competing interests on my time? How am I using my time? How am I spending it? I want you to think about it like that. Mm -hmm. And where can I limit some of those pressures so that I can have a little more well-being? So that's the first step. The second step is to understand that any time you're experiencing excessive stress, those hormonal changes or those hormones that are secreted, for example, the listeners might know them as adrenaline or epinephrine Mm -hmm. or cortisol, they're secreted in your body and you need to do something to digest them. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so there are four practices I'm going to list out. 
The first is cognitively. Mm -hmm. So as you're thinking and going into that overthinking and that future-oriented anxiety, every time you have another thought, your brain reacts to the thought as if it's real. And then it produces stress hormones. So the thing that people need to practice is defusing or uncoupling from their thoughts. Okay, noticing that your thoughts are not facts. I know they feel like they are, but they're not. And so one exercise that I suggest to people is visualizing taking your thought, looking at it, right? And the thought might be, I'm so overwhelmed. Okay, mm -hmm. that's just a thought. Putting it on a leave and watching that leave drift down the stream and doing that over and over. How does that land with you so far? No, that makes sense. I mean, my, my process would be a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like it's. I think recognizing that it's just an idea and a thought, and it's not actuality, or it may mm -hmm. not be manifesting as such. Yeah, is that's a, enough is, for you. Is, a, is enough for me. Yeah, and so you're making a great point that you could just stop there if it feels like that allows you to sort of uncouple or defuse from the thought, right? Or, you know, you could continue. If, if you're still really triggered by the thought, you could imagine placing it on a leave and letting it drift down the stream. Yep. What about the emotional? The emotional is you want to notice the trigger, name the emotion for yourself, Notice what happens with your body and identify the action urge. So when I have this feeling, right, what is the story I'm telling myself and what do I want to do? Do I want to run away? And is that action urge in alignment with my values? And it's a constant, you, you have to slow down in order to do this. Mm -hmm. But when you do it, it actually gives you the time and space to process the emotion. Hmm. Physical, metabolize your stress hormones through regular exercise. So sometimes when I'm seeing a client, if they are jacked, I actually get them to run down the street and I'm not joking, right? Mm -hmm. And if yep. there's any of my clients listening, you know, right? I ask you to do this because until those hormones are processed, it's really hard to think clearly, okay? Yep. And then lastly, the behavioral is to really figure out values-based choices so that when you're stressed, and, and we're going to hopefully talk about this in another interview, so that when you're stressed, you can make choices that are based on your values rather than reacting to the stress. Yeah, no, contextualize your behaviors so that you can direct them, I guess would be the way I would think of it. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because if you don't, if you're reactive, we will generally do the easiest solution in the short term. And it's often, it's not always, but often not the best long-term or big picture solution. I find that when I react emotionally, it almost mm -hmm. invariably sets me back. Whereas yeah. if I don't act in the moment and I give myself time to think about it, I will yeah. come to a viable solution to deal with what's bothering me. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't mean negating the emotions. So, yeah. you know, we're not suggesting, of course, pushing the emotions down. And that's why it's important to process the emotions. We acknowledge them. They're real in that you're having them, but they're not necessarily telling you something that's true. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. What do you want to talk about next time you're on? I want to talk about values because I really want people to get in touch with what's important to them. Sounds like a plan. For more information about Tracy, visit SogratiYoga.com. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss fall soup recipes on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. 
Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Shauna Linzen is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. And you can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinson.com. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? Good. So this is a fun show. We get to talk about personal preferences and recipes and inspire people to make some soup, right? Yes. Both of our favorites, favorite topics. Exactly. So I'm going to call upon your nutritionist and dietitian background here, because that's why we've got you on. Yes. When we're making soups out of vegetables, are we actually maximizing the nutritional value from the vegetables that we're using? We are, but we aren't. So let's say you're making a vegetable soup with tons of different vegetables. The more, the merrier, like lots of variety helps. So some of the nutrients, especially the heat-sensitive nutrients like vitamin B, vitamin C, will be lost because we're heating them, right? And we're talking about fall soups, not like a summer gazpacho or something. Right. Okay. Yep. So some of the nutrients, like the heat-stable nutrients, if we add heat to the soup, we will destroy some of the nutrients. But some of the nutrients will become more digestible. So, for instance, lycopene in tomatoes, beta-carotene in carrots, those vegetables will offer us more nutrients. Interesting. Okay, so it's a yin-yang thing. Yes, exactly. You get some good and some bad. So what I normally say is have variety. Put tomatoes and carrots and all the different vegetables. But the good news is you will always get the fiber, right? Okay, good. Yeah, with the soup, you're leaching out some nutrients into the broth, but you're also keeping the fiber because you're not, it's not like juicing where the fiber, you get rid of some of the pulp from the vegetables. Right. So uh, let's talk about the benefits of making and eating soup. I mean, some of them are sort of evident, but I think we should go through them. What do you think? I think so, too. So I think there are a lot of benefits. And as we just talked about, the nutrition-based benefits. So you're getting lots of fiber. You're doing like a one-bowl meal. So you can put whatever you want in there. If you want to put in the whole grains, like I like barley as a texture component into soup. And farro and frica, all of those different grains are sometimes not so yummy on their own. And when you add the flavor of the broth and the different vegetables, it really um, hikes up the nutrition as well as hikes up the flavor. I agree. Okay, I get to go next because you did that. Okay. I would say I'm going to go non-nutritional. I'm going to say soups are usually budget-friendly. Yes. Because you don't necessarily, you could even get like... Older vegetables work, right? You don't have to get the freshest vegetables. You can sort of clear out the ugly vegetables in your bin because you're going to chop them up and or maybe puree them or whatever. So the looks don't matter as much. And it's a good way to get those vegetables, you know, out of your fridge and into your tummy. And it tends to be cost efficient in that you can batch cook it. 
right? Exactly. Yeah. And what's another thing? I'm just, it's, it's funny you say that about the budget because the first thing that came to my mind are dried lentils. Sure. And that's a budget-friendly plant-based protein that we should be eating more of. So that, like a a hearty lentil soup, Mm -hmm. is extremely cost-effective. Like it's pennies a bowl, right? I I find myself eating a lot more beans and pulses than I ever used to. Lentils are pretty low on my list, I have to be honest. Naomi loves them, and, you know, when she's in charge of making the soup, she'll make it. But I tend not to use lentils. I'll use chickpeas or black beans or you want cannellini. More texture, I guess. I don't know. I just don't think the, uh, something about the lentils. Sometimes, like the green ones, unless you're getting uh, the French ones, the Dupuis lentils. I don't love the texture of green lentils. I like the red lentils better. And if you're getting the Dupuis lentils, well, then you're not being so cost efficient. So they're not my go-to, but certainly I agree they're great for you nutritionally and very inexpensive, for sure. And I think we forget about them. Like it's, you know, there are specific recipes I'm sure you've tried, like dal and that type of thing, which, yeah, yeah, but lentils in soup, I think are, you know, as you said, I I love that as a top point, the most cost-effective way to get a hearty soup. And also, you took the words out of my mouth with the batch cooking, because you could get like eight to 10 meals. Soups are typically very freezer friendly. And you can put them in individual, individual servings. So when I make a batch cook of soup, I will put them in little containers, little glass containers with lids. Mm -hmm. And I call it Sean as a person too. If my my family, (laughs) if they're not eating lentils, I get to eat lentils for lunch and I'm getting my nutrition in. Exactly. Before we go on to like our favorite soups, is there any other benefits that you can think of to making soup? Actually, yeah, they're satisfying. Like they make you full and the fiber, it's good for your bowel health, that type of thing. And one more thing, different soups like bone broth, you're getting like the collagen. So there are other nutritional benefits that we should mention in terms of making soups. Yeah. And if we're talking about batch cooking, there's also the convenience. Like a lot of people don't have time Mm -hmm. to make food every day. So, but if you on a Saturday or Sunday, if you had an extra hour or two and you made the soup, you probably have lunch for three or four days. As long as you're comfortable eating, you know, the same thing a couple times a week, that doesn't bother me if I like it. So me too. And what I like is if you feel like a sandwich for lunch and you don't have any vegetables in the sandwich, just pull one of the vegetable soups out of the freezer and there you go. You've got like a balanced meal. So it's good in terms of meal planning. All right. So let's talk about your favorite soups. Ooh, I have so many. So one of my favorite soups, and this one is in my cookbook, A Spoonful of Shauna, Family Favorites. This one is called, it's my minestrone soup, and I use a Parmesan rind. Uh, Of course. Yeah, of course. And when my kids were young, I called it treasure hunt soup because it's like there's so many good, you know, good food. Do you eat the the rind or you do not eat the rind? No, I discard the rind. Do you eat the rind? Everybody who gets the rind in their soup knows that they have to give it to me because I I will eat it. I love it. Even after it's like totally all the, it's like soft and I guess it's pretty delicious, right? If you like the umami flavor of a real Mm -hmm. Parmesan, then the rind, that is the secret ingredient in my minestrone is the rind. Me too. See? That's not not so secret anymore. What else? (laughs) And my other favorites are, I have two different butternut squash soups I make. So, damn, you took mine. All right, go on. Yeah, one's a ginger based one and one's a curry based one. So they're quite different. Yeah. 
And I love a pureed butternut squash soup. How about you? Yeah, I roast it first, though. Do you roast it? It's an old school recipe, so this one I don't. I didn't find that much difference when I roasted it because of the strong flavors, like the ginger or the curry. Okay. When I make it, I go with French thyme and shallots. Yes. So roasting it brings out a little caramelization, a little depth of flavor there. And sometimes I'll throw in some chickpeas. Good uh, idea. And that's usually my roast squash soup. Yeah, beautiful. And other soups, I have a roasted, uh, now that we're talking about roasting, yep. I have a roasted cauliflower soup that I make a cilantro drizzle with mm. some lime juice, garlic, cayenne. And some olive oil, and I just puree that, and I drizzled on top. It's quite pretty, mm-hmm. and I roast the cauliflower with apple. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's a very good fall soup. Like it utilizes the fall vegetables well, or yeah. the fruits, apple yeah. especially. Yeah, sometimes I will throw in roasted cauliflower with the squash and and the chickpeas. Like if I'm feeling. If we have some extra, like that's where I go with the cauliflower. I wouldn't have put it with apples, though. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice flavor profile because it's kind of like the brassica vegetable with the sweetness of the apple, sweet yep. and sour. It really goes well. Do you ever do leek soup? I have. I'm not such a fan of a potato leek soup. It doesn't, it's no. not kind of in my taste profile. Yeah. Do you like that? We do uh, like a chicken broth leek soup and then it's almost like we treat it almost like a french onion soup so we'll do little croutons with gruyere on top oh can i come over (laughs) sure so that's that's where we go with it i find leeks is one of the most underrated allium vegetables like yeah lovely they're good roasted they're good crisped up they're such a good addition do you know why people don't cook with leeks i think it's because the cleaning process is daunting and there's a lot of wastage, right? Because they sell it in the huge stocks. You're and you, right. And you can't use the dark green parts and you have to chop off but the can bottom. You use that? Can you put that in stocks? I never have. Is that what you do? You probably could. I haven't either, but I would think you could because mm. it just breaks it down a little. It's, it's pretty woody though, isn't it? Yeah. I guess if you're, if you're straining it, you could get some of the flavor out. Yeah. You know, also where you and I shop, there's some very good dried mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Give a shout out to Lady York. They have a new batch of dried mushrooms. So if you combine those with the leeks, it's quite a fine soup. Oh, that's say. delicious. Yeah. We that's have time, a lot of umami. <laughs> we have time for one last soup. And let's, let's go with the one that you wrote the recipe for in the latest issue of Tonic. Yeah. So that's my roasted tomato soup. So I use Roma tomatoes. And as we were discussing, I do roast them down with the onion and smashed garlic. Mm-hmm. And then once those are roasted, add some stock and puree it with tons of fresh basil. Yep. So it's kind of linking the the summer produce to the, the fall, you know, like yeah. all of those tomatoes that are ready. And then I put, I make a garlic cheesy crouton to dip it in. Ooh. It's literally my husband's favorite soup. And you can make it as sweet or as spicy as you want. Like you can add a little brown sugar. You can add more or less of red pepper flakes. And it's really simple and delicious. And if you don't put the cheese on the croutons, you can make it vegan. Fantastic. And that recipe is in the September-October issue of the magazine and online. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. 
Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Krista McKay, ND, Dr. Aaron Boynton, Tracy Sograti, and Shauna Lindzen. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and the links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The September-October issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.